0: Hi, and welcome to the Part 3 With Me podcast. The show that helps Part 3 architecture students jumpstart into their careers as qualified architects. I am your host, Maria Scudari, And this week, we will be talking about the National Planning Policy Framework. This episode is a summary of the um, National Plan. Planning Policy Framework and I would encourage you to follow the links in the episode notes for access to the full document. Uh, given how extensive um, a document the MPPF is, um, I will be splitting the subject into two episodes, uh, with today being part one, where we'll be covering the first nine sections, followed by the remaining eight sections in the next episode, along um, an example scenario. So Um, join me next week to um, capture the full extent of the National Planning Policy Framework document. So, let's start with its introduction and what the National Planning Policy Framework actually is. So, it's also referred to as MPPF, which I referred to it earlier. And it's the framework that sets out the government's planning policies for England and how these should be applied. So the MPPF um, supersedes older planning policy guidance notes and some other planning policy statements that existed before. And then the MPPF was founded um, so that things could be condensed uh, and a bit more uh, easier to understand and put together. So... Uh, Under the MPPF, uh, local planning authorities are expected to produce their local plans for housing and other developments from within this framework. And the MPPF aims at making the planning system less complex and more accessible to protect the environment and promote sustainable growth. So um, along with the local plans, the local planning authorities are also expected to put together um, what's also known as neighbourhood plans. So the planning law requires that planning applications are determined in accordance to the local and the neighbourhood plans and any spatial requirement strategies um, or developments produced by the combined authorities um, and mayors and the MPPF uh, should be taken into account when preparing the local and neighbourhood plans. So the MPPF introduces the neighborhood plans and local plans that need to meet the key criteria set out within the MPPF. So what are local plans? Local plans are typically prepared by each local planning authority uh, for its own area and should address housing needs, um, economic, social and environmental priorities um, as per the MPPF. So once prepared, this plan is then reviewed by the planning inspectorate, which we covered in a previous episode, and is checked against the four tests of soundness outlined within the MPPF. Uh, Once the inspectorate finishes with the review, they then send a report to the respective uh, local planning authority, confirming whether the plan can be adopted or not, and potentially recommending some amendments to allow for the plan to be adopted. Um, so the local plan should contribute to the achievement of the sustainable development goals set within the MPPF. Now, moving on to the neighborhood plans. Um, neighborhood plans are give direct power to communities to prepare a shared vision for their neighborhood development and growth. And are typically led by a parish or town council. Or if the area doesn't have a parish or town council, um, it's led by a neighborhood forum or community organizations. So um, in comparison to the local plans, um, obviously local plans are led by local planning authorities, whereas neighborhood plans are led by um, a parish or a town council. Um These bodies then decide where they would like new homes, shops and offices to be built and how these buildings should look like um, and what infrastructure should be provided um, and they grant planning permission for new buildings that they want to go ahead. So the neighbourhood plans aren't legal requirements but a right that communities in England can choose to use. So communities may choose to achieve the outcomes they want to see by incorporating their proposals into the local plan or through local development orders and any supplementary planning documents or pre-application consultations. So because the neighbourhood plan forms part of the development plan and sits along the local plan, it provides a much stronger basis for communities to have a say in their areas and it's also considered uh, when determining planning applications. So it's quite a key document alongside the local plan. Um, and in addition to that, communities uh, can also develop a neighborhood plan benefit um, from benefiting from 25% of revenue from the community infrastructure levy, uh, arising from development within the area. So they also get um, some money back from this. Um, And neighborhood plans should support the delivery of the strategic policies set out in the local plan and should shape and direct development outside those strategic policies. So if a neighborhood plan is successful at examination and and referendum, uh, it's then determined by the local authority and it becomes part of the statutory development plan and has the same legal status as a local plan. So if it's approved by the local authority, then it becomes just as important as a local plan. So moving to the MPPF document itself, uh, so it's split into 17 main categories, which is obviously the intro um, Second is achieving sustainable development. Third is plan making. Fourth is decision making. Um, the fifth is delivering a sufficient supply of homes. The sixth is building a strong competitive economy. The seventh is ensuring the vitality of town centres. The eighth is promoting healthy and safe communities. The ninth is promoting sustainable transport. The 10th is supporting high-quality communications. The 11th is making effective use of land. The 12th is achieving well-designed places. The 13th is protecting greenbelt land. The 14th is meeting the challenge of climate change, flooding, and coastal change. The 15th is conserving and enhancing the natural environment. The 16th is conserving and enhancing the historic environment. And lastly, the 17th is facilitating the sustainable use of minerals. So as mentioned in this episode, I'll be covering the first uh, nine sections of the MPPF document. So let's start with um, achieving sustainable development. So the MPPF aims to promote sustainable development through its three key objectives, which is the economic, the social, and environmental objectives and it should be delivered through the preparation and implementation of these through the approved planning permissions of developments. So planning applications should demonstrate um, that they meet all of these three criteria. So they need to show that they are in favor of sustainable development. So that's the first key thing, um, how uh, local planning authorities um, and parish and town councils Uh, can set out policies to um, make uh, developments applying for planning applications meet the sustainable development criteria. Uh, Moving on to the third section, which is plan making. Uh, This is an item that's very high on the priority list within the MPPF, whereby um, plans should be provided um, to show a positive vision for the future of each area. And the development plan has to include strategic policies that addresses each uh, of the local planning authority's priorities for the development and the use of land in its area. So this can be captured in the local plan or spatial development strategy. So the strategic policies, um, when it comes to these, they set out the overall strategy for the pattern, the scale, and the design quality of the places. And they make sufficient provision for housing, infrastructure, uh, any community facilities and conservation, uh, enhancement of the natural built and historic environment. So they uh, should aim to look ahead over a minimum of 15 years from adoption um, that the strategic policy start Uh, capturing long-term requirements and opportunities. And for larger developments, it should be extended to 30 years. Uh, Broad locations for development should also be indicated uh, within the strategic policies. Um, And this should be shown as diagrams uh, showing uh, land use designations and allocations. And they should be provided for in the policies map. So, strategic policies should also offer a clear strategy for bringing sufficient land forward to address the needs of the plan period and to be in favour of sustainable development. So, this should include planning and sufficient allocation of sites to deliver these strategic priorities. So, to maintain effective cooperation and uh, non strategic policies, the MPPF highlights that. Uh, Local planning authorities and county councils are under a duty to cooperate with each other in determining strategic matters for their area. So they should also cooperate to agree on non-strategic policies to determine items for specific areas, such as for neighborhoods or types of development in allocated sites, um, infrastructure provision, establishing design principles, enhancing the natural and historic environment and setting out other development management policies. So once a neighbourhood plan, um, however, comes into force, that then takes precedence over the non-strategic policies in a local plan. So although these can be set out initially as um, aspirations for the local authorities and the county councils, um, when a neighbourhood plan comes into effect, then that takes precedence. So the MPPF also sets out that plans should include uh, the levels and types of affordable housing provisions required. Um, So this also needs uh, an infrastructure provision to be allocated with it. So um, the local plans and the neighbourhood plans need to allow for um, how many affordable housing they expect to deliver. Uh, so, local and neighbourhood plans should be prepared in accordance with local and procedural requirements, and as mentioned earlier, should meet the four tests of soundness, which consist of positively prepared, which means having a strategy to meet the area's objectively assessed needs. The second one is to uh, meet the test of being justified which is a strategy taking into account uh, reasonable alternatives based on proportionate evidence. The third is effective, um, the effective test uh, through a strategy deliverable over a plan period. And the fourth is consistent with national policy. So to deliver um, sustainable development in accordance with the MPPF. So moving on to the fourth section, which is decision-making and pre-application engagement. The MPPF also encourages local planning authorities to encourage applicants to use the pre-application stage so that they can have um, issues resolved faster, enabling quicker planning permissions being granted. So this will make the planning process a lot quicker so that when uh, applicants actually apply for an application, if they're not sure if it will be permitted or not, if they went through the pre-application stage, then they would save um, a lot of time and money in determining much faster if it would be uh, preferred or not. So um, in that instance, local authorities are expected to publish a list of their required information for planning applications to assist with processing the applications faster and more efficiently to avoid delays. And planning law requires that planning applications are determined based on the development plan and local authorities may give weight to emerging policies that will need to be considered if they are relevant to the development and if the emerging policies greatly affect the proposal. So you might put a proposal in, for example, and in a month, say, the local planning authority might be releasing something about... um, housing numbers or sizes or whatever, and that's quite a significant change. So they would bring that forward so that your development captures those changes. So um, local authorities are also encouraged to use uh, local development orders or community right to build orders to grant planning permission. So these types of approval will require the support of the local community through a referendum. So it's not just um, the local planning authority saying a yes or a no. They'll need um, a bit more input from other people as well. So the MPPF also mentions that local planning authorities should consider uh, whether otherwise unacceptable applications could be made acceptable by the use of planning conditions or obligations. Uh, so this is a subject I touched on in a previous episode um, where potentially a planning application would be refused, but if certain conditions are met, for example, um, the use of a specific material, let's say, um, would make it um, more viable as a development, then that's what they use now. So they can push more development through the planning system to get more um, development up and running faster. So planning conditions should be kept to a minimum and relevant to the development achieving planning. So the local authority also has the enforcement powers if they suspect uh, breaches of planning are taking place and they are required to publish a local enforcement plan relevant to their area. So uh, moving on to the fifth section, which is delivering a sufficient supply of homes. Um, Under the MPPF, Local planning authorities are also expected to support the government's objective in increasing the housing supply. Uh, They can do this by determining the minimum number of homes needed through assessments of the local housing needs that will in turn inform the strategic policies that house builders will need to follow. So the size, the type and the tenure of housing for different groups in the community will also need to be assessed and reflected in the planning policies. For example, setting uh, a standard for affordable housing threshold. So let's say you have 100 houses, 10% of those would need to be affordable housing, let's say. So planning policies um, should allow at least 10% of the total number of new homes to be affordable housing unless this would exceed the level of affordable housing already available within the area. So if there's already a certain amount of housing, then um, if you allow an additional amount of affordable housing, that might be too much. Uh, So exceptions to the 10% affordable housing allocation is when it comes to -to build-to-rent homes, uh, when it comes to specialist accommodation for a group of people for special needs, for example, care homes, uh, self-built homes, and any exclusive development for affordable housing. So local authorities should establish a housing requirement figure within their strategic plans to be achieved over the plan period. So they should set out within their strategic policies the land available within their area and identify sufficient supply of mix of sites in terms of availability, suitability and economic viability Um, So these sites should be identified for where housing is best to be allocated. So local authorities should identify supply of specific sites for years 1 to 5 of the plan period and areas for growth from years 6 to 10 and, if possible, for years 11 to 15 of the plan. So small and medium-sized sites um, usually highly contribute to the housing requirement. So local authorities should uh, identify that. And where it can be accommodated to have at least 10% of their housing requirement on on sites that are no larger than one hectare. So they use area-wide design assessments to bring small and medium-sized sites forward to support the development of windfall sites through policies and work with developers to encourage subdivision of larger sites. Um, So by making them into smaller sites, then they'll be able potentially to provide more housing. So local planning authorities um, should also support the development of entry level uh, exception sites for first time buyers. So these sites um, should be considered when it comes to their opportunities in the area's uh, economic potential ensuring that the size and the location of the site will support a sustainable community that will have uh, sufficient enough access to services, employment opportunities, um, creation of high quality spaces. Uh, They also need to consider the rates of delivery of the homes and potential to establish um, a green belt around the new development. So the strategic policies should include a trajectory illustrating expected housing delivery over the plan period. And local planning authorities should identify and update these annually, um, showing the deliverable sites to provide a minimum of five years worth of housing against their strategic policies or their local housing needs. So to maintain the supply of housing, local planning authorities uh, are required to monitor the progress in building out sites uh, that have permission. And if their delivery has fallen below 95 percent, they should prepare an action plan in line with uh, national planning guidance to access the cause and how to increase the numbers in the future. They can also do this by uh, imposing a planning condition, setting out that developments must begin within a certain timescale. For example, like most planning applications where you have a three-year time limit before the permission expires. Uh, When it comes to rural areas, planning policies uh, will need to be responsive to the local circumstances and needs. So to promote sustainable development, housing should be... Located where it will enhance or maintain the character of the rural community. So planning policies should identify the opportunities for villages to grow, uh, but also to avoid the development of isolated homes, except where these are needed for a rural worker, for example, or the development represents a viable heritage asset, or it would be um, the reuse of redundant building, or it involves the subdivision of an existing residential building or if the design is of an exceptional quality. Now moving on to uh, section six, building a strong competitive economy, Uh, planning policies and decisions should help create the conditions in which businesses can invest, expand and adapt. So, They should take into account um, local business needs and the the wider development opportunities. So planning policy should set out a clear economic vision, clear criteria or strategic sites for local and inward investment reflecting the anticipated needs over the plan period. They also need to address potential barriers to investment and allow flexibility to accommodate needs that aren't anticipated at the time. So planning policies should enable um, sustainable growth and expansion of all types of businesses uh, into rural areas, enabling development and diversification of agriculture and any other land-based rural businesses. Um, They also need to enable sustainable rural tourism and retention and development of accessible local services and community facilities to attract um, tourists. Uh, by providing shops, public houses, meeting places and so on. Uh, moving on to section 7, where it is to ensure the vitality of town centres. Uh, planning policies under this section need to support the role of the town centres uh, and how key they are to communities by promoting their growth, uh, their management and their adaption. So planning policies should define a network and hierarchy of town centres and promote their long-term vitality and viability. They also need to define the extent of the town centres and make clear the range of uses permitted. Uh, They also need to retain and enhance existing markets, uh, allocate suitable sites to meet scale and type of development likely to be needed in about, um, say, 10 years time ahead to meet anticipated needs of the town centre, uh, they also need to determine uh, the ed- the edge of centre sites where town centres are not suitable, and to encourage residential development where um, where it's needed. Uh, and section eight is on promoting healthy and safe communities, where planning policies should aim to achieve healthy, inclusive, and safe places that promote social interaction such as uh, mixed-use development, street layouts, uh, active street frontages. Uh, They also need to provide safe and accessible places through clear and legible pedestrian and cycle routes. And also they need to enable and support healthy lifestyles through green infrastructure, sports facilities, uh, and so on. So in order to provide these facilities, uh, the planning policies will need to incorporate uh, to plan positively for provision of shared spaces and facilities. They also need to support and deliver local strategies to improve um, health, social and cultural wellbeing, being uh, Also to avoid loss of existing facilities and services. Uh, they also need to ensure shops and facilities can be modernized and that they are retained. Uh, they also need to integrate um, the location of appropriate housing, uh, so they can boost the economy and the community uses. And they also need to deliver um, estate regeneration, schools, and they need to also promote um, public safety. Uh, so local authorities need to ensure uh, provision of access to high quality open spaces and to provide opportunities for sport and physical activity. So planning policies should be based on robust and up-to-date assessments and determine what provision is needed. So also existing open spaces and recreational land um, should be made sure that it's not built upon uh, unless it's demonstrated to be um, a surplus to the requirements and the proposed development will replace the provision of lost uh, open space or improve um the previous requ- the previous um provision uh or if the development is for alternative sports and recreational use where the benefits outweigh uh the loss of the existing open space so planning policies should also protect and enhance uh public rights of way and access to allow for designation of land as local green space through the local and neighbourhood plans and they should only be used if it is within uh, close proximity to the community it serves and it holds um, particular local significance and is of in line with the local character. Uh, and finally, under section 9, uh, promoting sustainable transport, Uh, Planning policies should try and minimise the number and length of journeys needed for employment, uh, also for leisure, shopping, education and other activities. And they should liaise and cooperate with uh, local highways authorities and other transport infrastructure providers, um, operators and neighbourhood councils, so that their strategies and investments are supportive of sustainable transport methods. Uh, They also need to identify and protect sites and routes which could be critical of future infrastructure development, for example, like um, HS2. Uh, Also, they need to allow for attractive and well-designed walking and cycling networks. Uh, Also to allow for larger scale transport facilities. Um, Recognize the importance of maintaining And national network of general aviation airfields and potential growth needs. And they also need to set uh, local parking standards where applicable to meet uh, accessibility needs, uh, type, mix and use of development, uh, public transport opportunities, car ownership levels, uh, provision of electrical charging points, which are becoming um, very common um, ways of practice now. Also, when local authorities are assessing potential development sites, they are expected to provide um, opportunities to promote sustainable transport modes, um, also to provide safe and suitable access for all users. Uh, Consider the design of the streets, uh, the parking areas, other transport elements reflecting current national guidance. Local authorities should also consider any impacts from development on transport network or highway safety and that developments will generate um, significant amounts of movement and they should provide a travel plan and they should be supported by a transport statement or assessment. So that concludes uh, the first nine sections of the MPPF. Uh, So As you've seen, these sections are used as a basis for local planning authorities to set standards for their areas. So all planning applications are basically following these guidelines based on each respective local planning authority. Um, That's why it's so key to understand what's included in the MPPF and what uh, criteria each local planning authority sets for their area so that you make sure that when you um, develop a planning application, it meets the local area's requirements. So to sum up today's episode, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the MPPF is the framework that sets out the government's economic, environmental and social planning policies for England. Uh, The policies set out in this framework are then used by the local authorities to set out their local and neighbourhood plans, which then as a result inform the planning applications and the basis of their acceptance or refusal. Uh, The local plans are developed by the local planning authority and the neighborhood plans are typically prepared by a parish or a town council. So the first nine sections cover the sustainability goals. Policies are expected to reflect through economic, social and environmental objectives. Plan making, whereby plans should provide a positive vision for the future of each area and its development plan, decision-making, taking the necessary means such as enabling the use of the pre-application process and the planning conditions and obligations to speed up the planning process and to avoid delaying development and delivery of homes, uh, the delivery of sufficient supply of homes, as it states, the local authorities need to develop sufficient plans and estimate the delivery, to deliver their required amount of housing to assist in meeting uh, the general uh, English target of housing, Uh, build a strong competitive economy where planning policies and decisions should help create the conditions in which businesses can invest, expand and adapt, and taking into account local business needs and wider development opportunities, including the rural economy. Uh, Also ensuring the vitality of town centres by developing policies in support of the role town centres play for communities by promoting their growth, management and adaption. Uh, Promoting healthy and safe communities where planning policies should aim to achieve healthy, inclusive and safe places that promote social interaction, um, safe and accessible places and enabling the support of healthy lifestyles. And lastly, promoting sustainable transport by offering policies that try and minimize the number and length of journeys needed for employment, leisure, shopping, education and other activities. And using public transport more, allowing for more electric charging vehicle points, uh, therefore promoting more use of electric vehicles and achieving England's target of all electric vehicles by 2050. So that covers um, today's um, episode of part one of the MPPF. Uh, so please tune in to next week's episode where I will be talking about the, the remaining um, eight sections of the MPPF. And I will also be offering a bonus scenario uh, when it comes to um, potential circumstances for MPPF. If you would like to get in contact with me, please feel free to email me on the address provided in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. This is an educational show aimed at supporting the future generation of architects. The information, opinions and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done at your own risk. Please join me next week for some more part three with me time.